2: Welcome to it, weekend editions here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmid, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. driving the bus. Great to be with you. Big day today with the Big Ten subcommittee presenting new testing programs. Let's get the right thing d- distributed. Let's get uh, all that say uh, in favor say aye, and Let's get something on the books for October. We'll talk about it. You can join us this morning. Numbers to get in, 466-3776, 466-3776, 800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore radio. Mark Cranach at Mark Scurs. Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence. Email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Cranach, how was the week? I tell you what, on uh, Facebook, the old memory photos kept popping up between uh, a year ago when we're in Boulder that looked so great and then turned out not to be. It's also uh, marks 20 years since our road trip getting lost uh, on the way back from <laughs> South Bend, my friend. How are you?
1: Good old Elkhart, Indiana uh-huh, the, the Camp home
2: KOA. Of, the home of Jamar Johnson, Oscar That's right.
1: standout yeah, we got to we stayed there for a little bit. That was good. Um, <laughs> got a new pup this week?
2: Yes, you did. Tell me about yeah. your pup. You've named yeah, it. you've named it uh, Warren, haven't you, Commissioner I, Warren? I did not name him after that. no <laughs> no. Um,
1: yeah he's he's like a little uh I think he's blackmouth Co cur, cur, I guess huh? and boxer. Ah. little fifty pounder was raised in a prison the last like eight weeks. They trained him good though. He's a good little pup. He's he's good. powerful. He's good. he's good. He's good. He's got his stuff together more than the Big Ten does. What's I'll tell his, you that. What's his name? Tucker.
2: Tucker. Okay. Yeah,
1: I inherited that. Okay. And it's great because there are so many things that rhyme with that.
2: I, right. And and oh. when you, when 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 the pup is not good, you can just uh, switch out. You know, the first letter.
1: Yeah. Tucker. The. You know, you can do all <laughs> kinds of stuff with that. It's good. It's good. So are we at now? What a soap opera! Uh, uh, yes, I, dude, that, and that's why I love. That's why I love doing the show. That's why I love following Nebraska. Because if you're not here, you don't understand it. But it's a, you know, like people that aren't from here. Like so, wait, so what do you talk about when it's not football season? Like it's football. always football season. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like we, there's a drama unfolding at all times. It's like the equivalent of, I don't know as the world turns or Desperate young housewives, and the restless.
2: housewives meets Dallas meets so as yeah. the world turns and meets Nip Tuck. I mean, go, yeah. go through the list. It, it yeah. is what it is. And man, a big opportunity that really got started by Scott Frost a month ago uh, with yeah. his zoom conference call to the media uh, backed by athletic director Moose, Ronnie Green, Ted Carter and mm-hmm. Nebraska has been the fullback in this for <laughs> every That's other way putting it. Yeah. every other school that has been afraid to pipe up or has been hesitant to pipe up. Well, Nebraska has passed the baton ahead. And for this to, to get turned around, and I think Ohio State's medical folks will be part of the uh the the committee presenting information data new testing outline uh guidelines to the uh presidents and chancellors ohio state's voice has got to be the loudest it's got to be the proudest and it's got to be the most convincing because uh they are they are the heavy hammer they have ryan day in his twitter statement they have uh, James Franklin also with Penn State and what he was able to say on Keyshawn Johnson's morning show. You have serious doubt. You have big-time criticism. And you have the ACC kicking off today. You have the Big mm-hmm. 12 kicking off today. You have the SEC in two weeks. So let's see if the eight people uh, on this show uh, conference and president's subcommittee hear what they need to hear here's what i think i think you're going to have those schools that are i think you're going to end up having programs and universities have a choice to opt out just like you've given players a choice to opt out Mm -hmm. i don't think you're going to have all 14 you're not going to get uh, I don't think you're going to get Rutgers and the new president to say, yeah, sure, why not? Let's go play ball. Uh, I don't know that you're going to have a, a real rush to play if, if you're Coach Brahm and Purdue because you are the first to try and put this January thing together. And I'm not – looking. I think Coach Brahm's a really good coach and I don't, I don't question his competitiveness. But the reality is is you just don't have a, a level playing field with – some schools in the Big Ten right now, and that's kind of your own fault, in my opinion. You can either keep the task at hand, staying ready to be ready, like Penn State's done, like and I know they, they've had to hit pause here, but Nebraska's been practicing, Ohio State's been practicing, Iowa's been working and I know they had to to pause for COVID related stuff. All that's going to happen. How do you handle and react? And if, if your program's not ready or you don't feel comfortable doing it, fine. But do not stand in the way of those that are ready, can, and are willing to go forward with medical clearance. I, th- I wonder if we're coming to that. If Warren and the presidents and chancellors still dig in and say it's got to be all 14, then I think that's a problem. You need to, to let go of the death grip right here. And allow those that can play to play, and I don't think it's going to be a, a, a situation. The Big Ten's always taken care of their little brother, whoever that is in football or basketball. It's not uh, here's your paycheck based on your performance. It's been equal across the board for forever. All right, Northwestern's made as much money as Indiana in basketball with the Big Ten, and and. You have Michigan State. They've made as much money as whoever's an awful over team, let's just say, in basketball. Football, Ohio State's carried a lot of water, as has Penn State, as has Wisconsin. But look, Minnesota went 11-2 to last year, went to a great bowl game. They didn't get to keep all the cheddar, all right? I mean, it's been equally distributed, so... Find teams that are able to go, let them go do it, let them go earn some money, let them be safe, let them set an example of the ability to rapid test and control the transmission, contain the transmission of of this stupid virus. I mean, look at Nebraska partnering with UNMC, and it's not just Nebraska taking care of Nebraska. Whoever rolls into Memorial Stadium, hopefully at 30% capacity, says, we got you. Here's the rapid test for you and your kids as well. Mm -hmm. It can work. And uh, and that's a big factor. It's It's the factor.
1: Right, because one of the terrible things about the virus is just, you know, you just don't know if you have it. Right. It's just the part. The of So you could be transmitting the thing and you have no idea that you're even doing it because you're not even showing symptoms. And especially younger kids, I call them kids, but, you know, y- younger adults, especially don't generally don't show symptoms. And so I get it. Right. Like you you, you want to make sure that there's not some person that is actively transmitting that's playing offensive guard. And that's going to give it to, you know, two defensive tackles and a couple linebackers and <laughs> whatever. Like I get that. Right. right? Like. You understand that. The, and part of the problem has been the testing. Even if that player, even if you test everybody the day of the game, if you don't get results back till the next day or two, it's obviously pointless. It's too late. Right. So, I mean, so you need to be able to test quickly everybody and get results quickly. Right. And so on the morning of a game, you test everybody. And if they have it, they're out. And anybody that was around them is out. Right. And you might have some cancellations like that might happen. That's already happened where there's some planned games that just aren't happening. Um, happening at the high school level, Bellevue mm-hmm. West and North Platte were supposed to play after Bellevue West had to seek out a, a, a different opponent because Creighton Prep had to shut it down. Right. Like we all get that that stuff's going to happen. Right. Like it's it's going to you. You are not going to have just a, a contiguous season with no interruptions. It's just not happening this year. Right. and That's OK. But it doesn't mean you play zero games should not mean you play zero games or give it any shot. And then I think compounding all this too, Chrissy, I, I, I'm sure you saw this floating around on social media. But there's a there's a group called Navigate and they they're kind of a sports data company um, that does a lot of analytics on sports. And, and they calculated the brand value of right. all college football teams this year. And topping that list in terms of brand value is none other than
2: Nebraska, Nebraska. in front of Bama,
1: right in front of Bama. Um, and, and, it, even, and, and the way they calculated it was something like it's it's revenue per fan, fan base and fan percent of state population. And you calculate all those things. Nebraska is essentially the most valuable brand in college football. To, to, to even accent that more, five of the top ten are in the Big Ten. SEC's got two, Big 12's got two, Oregon is the lone Pac-12 rep. So you were talking about five of the top ten most valuable brands, and, and now this is just one metric, it's not the end-all be-all, but the point remains the same. Five of the top ten brands in the sport are on the sidelines? Like that speaks to the ramifications of this whole thing, which is speaks staggering. staggering. And then you combine that with, for the most part, outside of coaches. Co- coaches have been spouting off from the beginning because they're obviously the most biased and they just want to play ball and they've worked their, you know what off mm-hmm. all off season to put in place protocols to where, they could do it with as much safety as possible, right? So they obviously they were going to spout off from the beginning and and be against this decision by the Big Ten. Nebraska was unique in that all the way up to the president level, they voiced their displeasure from the beginning. There was never a, well, we're just going to go along with it. They're like, no, hell no, this is stupid, mm-hmm. right? And we we do not believe that this should be the final decision. Well, what happened this week, late this week, gloves kind of came off right (laughs) I mean yeah you had it and it felt concerted to me you know I think you have some allies within the Big Ten some strange bedfellows I think you have Nebraska and Ohio State topping that list I think they have found I think they have looked across you know the the vast plains at each other and just kind of nodded their head like okay you're all right like I, I, I see where you're coming from and then Ryan Day, to your point, comes out with this. I mean, he didn't he didn't hold anything back, right? He comes out with this statement that was obviously crafted, just straight up calling out the Big Ten. James Franklin does the same
2: thing, and it was it was one after another on yeah. And Thursday. Then Ted Carter. With, yeah, and then I mean, Ted that, that's, your, that's your that's your bang 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 on, that's, on, that's on the, one day that's the, on one day,
1: <laughs> yeah. And you're talking about the president of the whole university system. So just boom, 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 boom. You have active dissension at all levels from two of the top, at least two of the top four brands (laughs) in all of college football. And what is the Big Ten without those brands? the The Big Ten is nothing. The Big Ten is a collection of these valuable brands that mean a lot. right? So the pressure is... There's been pressure all along, but it got ratcheted up big time, big time in this past week. And today is the day when the bylaws of the Big Ten have to be turned over to Lancaster County Court.
2: Right? They they do, and to 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 put a cherry on top of this pressure campaign between day between Teddy C between Franklin, you have the Attorney General, Mister Peterson. Yep say, hey, guess what? You're out of compliance. You're out of order. And we need to make sure you're uh, you're on the up and up.
1: And what that does is it, now that, that one was really interesting to me. Uh, because if you operate as a nonprofit, which the Big Ten is, like, I know that's kind of hard to wrap your brain around, but officially they're a nonprofit, right? And so to do that, in order to operate, you need to be, licensed to be a nonprofit and you need to follow guidelines in whatever state you operate in, including Nebraska. And so Nebraska found And there are plenty of nonprofits that probably aren't in compliance. It is, it is a heavy regulated industry, the nonprofits, but it's also not heavily policed, right? You, You know, so, but they found Nebraska found a loophole and is like, y'all are not holding up your end of the bargain here to operate as a nonprofit in Nebraska. And so you're getting these legal challenges left and right at the big 10 level. And this one's it's legitimate. Like,
2: well, you can't laugh it off. It's not eight college students saying we want to go through your files. This is the, the most powerful law enforcement official in the state of Nebraska Mm -hmm. requiring this. And what can't get covered potentially with the lawsuit specifics to minutes and data and correspondence and conversation and communication mm-hmm. is now covered by the attorney general.
1: Dude, the, listen, when you're a nonprofit, you, any member of the public at any time in a, in a nonprofit is expected to furnish this. I know of a couple of these things, um, and there's probably more. But at any point, a, a nonprofit by law, needs to turn over their books. They need to be completely transparent about that. And any member of the public can request that at any time. And by law, they have to turn it over or they get fined by the IRS. Right? So so that's different than like a corporation, than like a for-profit corporation, private. You don't have to do that. But if you're a nonprofit and you enjoy the benefits of essentially having a tax-free existence... That's that's your duty to the public is that you have to have complete transparency. You also have to have a set of bylaws and those bylaws need to be public. (laughs) Right. Uh, The minutes thing, I don't think those have to be turned over the meeting minutes. I don't think by law you have to, at least federally. Maybe you can at the state level. I, I, I just don't know. But regardless, you have to be transparent. And you you cannot shield things from the public That a normal corporation can So there is validity behind what Nebraska is saying And if you're the Big Ten And you're the COPC And you're Kevin Warren And you're the handful of attorneys That I'm sure they have on retainer I mean, you are just getting pummeled left and right And you got to ask yourself, is it worth
2: it? You can't stand anymore And here, no. here, here's the thing You have rapid testing capability the thing that's been so frustrating is the the timeline here. As we are down to two-minute warning time in the fourth quarter trying to get this thing up and running to make yourself eligible to be a playoff contender when you, when you look at Wisconsin, when you look at Penn State, when you look at Ohio State, okay? The one leading this charge, we were hoping Nebraska would get to a bowl game this year. That's how much the kids want to play. I, I'm interested here... To see just what the direction is by the Big Ten, not only if they relent, if they actually listen, if they can with an open mind see that okay there is rapid testing, and the other part of it too is what is the participation level going to be like? Not only with the schools that mayor listen. If I'm Rutgers and I'm Maryland and it's just a it's just a bleep show and i've not had my kids staying ready or or being prepared it, it, there's no way i can get up and running by the 17th of october uh minnesota also you wonder same with illinois but the the fact remains that there's a number of schools that can and want to go compete and they should be allowed to do this it's it's different man you've been monitoring the situation you've you've tried to stay Open, but also reserved until, you know, better data or more breakthroughs occur. That that has happened with rapid testing. That has happened with the, the ability to control your contact tracing slash you know transmission containment with these rapid tests. And from a myocarditis standpoint, you've got you you got some dude on Twitter here with Harvard this morning. I think I sent a, a, a copy to you and you, Elijah about that myocarditis should not be the reason you keep football from happening because you have too many doctors. Not that it's not serious, not that it's not important, but you can't just pin it on, well, a kid's going to get myocarditis by playing football and it's going to kill him. He could, but he could get it with an, another virus that he that he gets during the offseason. So to, to put all of that on football and COVID uh, is is not accurate and listen if, if you're going to have some programs opt out i get it I, I i do get it but don't stop the whole thing from happening because if you can't do it let the few that can do it do it safely and have have open ears and an open mind uh if you're these uh eight members here that are going to get the presentation today i mean that's That's what I'm fearful. I I said two weeks ago, we're doing the the Wilderness Ridge show. Big Ten knows that they did something a little funky with the the vote the first time. Is this the mulligan off the tee box to do it right by the bylaws and still shut it down? I mean, they're getting a second crack to be right they're getting a second crack to be accurate they're getting a second crack to do it appropriately you can take a mulligan here you, you can and, <laughs> you know? and but you've been forced you've been forced kicking and screaming yeah. to do so are you still going to dig in and just say no think about harbaugh in michigan we can make a lot of joke about whole milk and you know half naked wrestling and in khakis But that dude was out protesting to play ball last week, and he's up against something that just would ruin me. And that is the guy that runs your university is is pretty anti-football, and he he feels like it anyway, and he's an epidemiologist. So he's got the medical backing and, and plus that Michigan shine. I mean, if he's trying to roadblock things, that would that would just that would just wound me if I if I am a football coach that's trying to do this, you you've always suspected and seen the uh, the Grand Canyon type chasm between athletics and academics. At some places, you got this tug of war by you know what's our identity, what's our front porch? Well, we're a we're a we're a research institution of higher learning. Yes, you are, and there is a lot of you that are great at it. Most of you in the Big Ten. But there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a high priority and, and more identification tied to your, your sports programs in a lot of the, the spots in the Big Ten, too. And part of that tug of war has been the issue with this, too. You can bring in medical and you can bring in concern and you can have the, the reality that COVID has been a nightmare. But the fact remains is you're still cashing tuition checks. You're still cashing room and board checks. Even if you are suspending in-person learning, you're not suspending in-person learning for the year. You've you you you've not done that, and you've you, you will not have to refund your, your 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 revenue flow with all these universities. So there's inconsistency there. It's not mm-hmm. okay to tell the students to go and be on campus, but and and stay on campus, but it, tell the football team and the soccer team and the hockey team to it's too dangerous for you to play that that is the the farce in all of this
1: mm-hmm. and it's and it's coming to a head and it's I, you know I it feels like they jumped the shark and they thought that the entire college football season would be canceled in some way shape or form they
2: wanted to be seen as the leader right mm-hmm. follow us mm-hmm. we're the Big Ten we know what's up I'm just do you get a declaration of war if you get a no after this weekend, by Ohio State, by Penn State, by Nebraska. If yeah. you get told no for a second time, does Ohio State's attorney general proceed and sue the Big Ten, like that was floated out there because of lost revenue? I mean, it, you've, the, I mean what what happens? I mean, you, you've got a you've got a, a split conference as it is now. Yeah. Do, you, do you have a a a broken union, so to speak? After this weekend, if you don't get the answer you want
1: yeah, it by the way, I was just looking up some uh, nonprofit laws so so by law you must turn over your form 990, mm. which is essentially your tax return, which has a lot of detailed information. Uh, you can learn a lot from those things if you're investigating a nonprofit in any way, shape or form. And the most recent one I can find that is publicly available is June 2017. And it doesn't mean that this, it doesn't exist somewhere, but by law, if you were to go to like the big 10 offices in person and say, I need to see your, your return, mm-hmm. it, they must furnish it immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it just gives you an idea of the level of public scrutiny that a conference, uh, by law has to, has to provide. So <laughs> it's on now. And here's the thing. If they look, if they, if they, if they call a mulligan, uh, people, look, people are going to be forever soured by the last month.
2: <laughs> but people will get less, over it pretty less, damn quick. Last six months, you know, people, uh, it's, it's people always people will get over it pretty damn quick. Yeah, you get drunk and puked at the party, but we're still inviting you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It just, now, if not,
1: if they call off the season again, while the rest of the college football world keeps going, and you have five of the top ten brands, all of which are on record saying they want to play, all of them. The benefits of being together as a conference are that's why you join a conference, right. right? So you're like minded. Yeah. You you want to you want to enjoy that that mutual benefit of, you know, academics, athletics. All there's so many reasons why there's strength in numbers is
2: what you got. Right. So, and the other part of this too.
1: But Cranach, that falls apart. Oh, it's yeah. When you take away the cash cow, well, it, when you take away the the kind of the one thing that really brings everybody together, it's just it's
2: it just can't stand. The last thought on this is the reality of you have medical experts that are very well versed and vetted and respected that will have the proper answers to those questions those at the commissioner and chancellor level needed. You'll you'll have data, you'll have information, you'll have new medical breakthroughs with the ability to hit the benchmarks.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's, uh, you know. They'll be able to answer the objection with their presentation yep. today. You've got to consider it. Quick phone call. Let's get Gary on the horn. Gary, thanks for tuning in. Welcome into Hale Varsity Weekend.
0: Good morning. Morning. Uh I- I
4: haven't heard a whole lot of talk about this, but how is this? How is what's happening uh, 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 been a problem for players leaving universities who aren't playing and going to places where they are?
2: Well, you look at Nebraska. I mean, how many kids from Florida have left? Yeah, three. yeah. You yeah, you you have three, right? And three uh-huh. three really recent talented kids. And it could be different reasons, but if they're playing ball, they're probably not going, damn, I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska doing nothing.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway,
1: well,
4: you guys have you guys have a good day, Chris.
2: Thanks. Appreciate it, Gary.
1: Hey, and Gary, here's here's what I think too, is that you know, players aren't dumb, right? They're 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 waiting it out to a degree. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but if you call this thing, if you just definitively say, Nope, no football. Or you keep kicking the can down the road, and you're like, "We're going to kick off in January," which is just ludicrous. You got to play like for get, something
2: of value, and that's a championship.
1: I think then you'll see it. Yeah, because look, logis- logistically, transferring is is a pretty disruptive thing, right? Mm-hmm. You got to well,
2: you got no move. Listen, you, you got no you got no open scholarships at power fives right now. Yeah, it's
1: dude, it's it's a hard. It's, it's too not, soon.
2: That's why you're going to the Sun Belt. Yeah. I mean. Listen, Green needs to be at a Power 5, and he ends up at Florida Atlantic. He's way better than that, but Florida Atlantic's open. Yeah. We, we got a quick timeout. Gary Barnett, our rewind's coming up. It's the weekend edition. It's Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
1: Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranich.
2: Welcome in. Uh, long-time coach at Colorado and Northwestern. We say hi to Gary Barnett, coach. Have has things at least thawed out or melted for you out west?
4: <laughs> well, I I actually played today. It was about forty six. Really? But yeah, but I was in long pants and a sweater and a uh you know it, we needed it so badly though chris with these fires going on i bet we had 14 inches of snow up in one of the fires which is just on the front range mm-hmm. or almost on the front range up west of fort collins and it was you know it was really helpful to to give those uh, firemen a chance to get control of this thing mm-hmm. but we had we had two or three burning here and it uh it was it was really a godsend that that the snow came when it did and um, even the freezing temperatures so uh but we it was really a good wet snow for for a drought drought ridden sort of colorado
2: so do i does the temperature matter how you shoot
4: well, it matters how fast I play. <laughs> I seem to walk a little faster and and uh, and swing swing harder and faster and get back in the car or walk or whatever. Yeah. So um, I actually had a good start. But I was I was experimenting. I was trying a new swing today, so I I didn't really care what I shot and just right. wanted to learn something. But that unfortunately. Uh that's that's who I am. I'm sort of that way every day.
2: No, that's all right, man. I'm glad you got out and you you bundled up, right? And you, you went you went and played uh played eighteen. That's awesome. Gary Barnett's with us. Coach, uh, a lot's happened uh today in the Big Ten. Uh it started off this morning, uh ESPN national, uh, with Keyshawn Johnson and his uh radio partners. They had James Franklin on and uh, James Franklin, very outspoken this morning about Big Ten leadership, uh, questioning frustrated with the communication side of things. And then Ryan Day, uh, again, with his statement on Twitter, uh, questioning communication, and you know that that question that that he can't answer is I, I can't I don't know why, kids, I don't know why we can't play when everybody else in the state of Ohio can coach you've been you've been in meetings you've been in conferences where there's been disagreements you've been in meetings and in conferences where there's been frustration but i you know i don't remember ever having two pillar programs and their head coaches speaking out against a conference like this i know coach frost was frustrated with things, but this is Ohio State, this is Penn State coming out. What What's your reaction to the, the statements and comments today from both of these guys?
4: Yeah, I read both of those, and you know, a lot of it is just pure frustration on the part of coaches, and yeah. um, uh, you know, and their kids not being able to play when other schools are playing, and other conferences are playing, and you um, and I, you know, not being on the inside anymore, I don't really know where they think they should be getting their commu- communication or better communication from. I'm guessing it's from the um, commissioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but this thing, this thing feels really political to me, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it. Um, I mean, I don't even like using those terms, but it certainly does a little bit seem that way, and. You know the the one thing about sports is it's always been above that sort of thing, but it's feeling that way, and uh, that doesn't mean that it is, but it certainly feels that way from where I sit. And you know, you see the schools in the South and um, in in states that uh, tend to vote and go one way mm-hmm. uh, are able to play in and, and states um that that aren't in that situation are going the other way so it it feels that way you know uh, you know I, I think all along we've always felt like the the best support uh that football has had through the years has been from one side of the political spectrum rather than the other so um i hope that's not it but it certainly sort of smells that way to me
2: Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio coach. With these comments by these two coaches, Ohio State's uh, preseason number two, Penn State's preseason number seven. So, what type of weight slash impact will this have? I mean, the talk is Sunday, Monday, maybe a revote. I look at it one of two ways: either it's house money. Uh, those on the inside know that the the necessary votes are are there, or at least they feel like that there's going to be a revote and there'll be a, a return to play push, and maybe it could be October. Per day's tweet, or uh, we need more pressure applied on the commissioner and those presidents and chancellors that are holding this thing up. So let's get our two biggest hammers, the two biggest programs that have a chance. To compete for a title, to come out and and really let them have it on Thursday, vocally on social media and on national radio. Those, those are that's that's door one and that's door two. What type yeah, of? Yeah, way- I
4: think door two. You're right. I think door two, where just those two being the the heaviest hammers in the you know in the toolbox mm-hmm. um, are swinging them. And I think that probably you know coaches communicate and coaches. You know, they they send messages and vibes and stuff like that. So I'm sure they're saying our best chance is for Ohio State and for Penn State. And they're probably, and Harbaugh's come out and said the same thing. I saw earlier in the week uh, where he, you know, texted and tweeted and asked the governor and everybody else to make a change. But I don't think he's got as much traction as maybe the other two have, and I think that's what they're doing. I think they're swinging the big hammers.
2: Gary Barnett's with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Coach. Uh, when, it, when it comes to communicating with your players and and being the leader that that you need to be as head coach for eighteen to twenty two year olds, um, how do you how do you keep them engaged? I know Nebraska's been practicing a little less than an hour and a half. I mean, they've been within the rules of the twelve hours, uh, but not every Big Ten program's been practicing. Uh, Minnesota just got back at it I know Iowa's had to hit pause you've got a a pause with Penn State not necessarily because of football but you had 58 COVID cases with student-athletes so not everybody's on the same page right now as far as staying after it uh, how would you keep your kids engaged
4: well and that's a that's the problem is that not everybody is on the same page and and That's the world we live in right now. And uh, I think keeping the athletes engaged is you just have to keep putting out that carrot uh, in front of them and keeping hope alive that it might happen. And so, um, you know, every time that uh, Ohio State or Penn State swing the hammer like they just did, you know, it helps everybody else Um, and it helps coaches keep hope uh, out there for their players to uh, to be able to play, um, you know, and we're we're so early in this thing where, uh, at least in the season, to where anything can still happen, and you hope that it might still happen. But if it's like this a month from now, then uh, then I think that's it. And so it's it's interesting. I don't know whether the the administration or the powers to be in the Big Ten are just sort of holding off and. Hoping they can get to the first of October, the middle of October, so that everybody realizes they can't really go do it mm-hmm. or what. But it um, there certainly is a lot of political pressure and a lot of um, you know popularity and, and a popular movement to try to get this played in the in that conference, you know, more so than the Pac-12 for sure.
2: Well, and have you ever? I mean, take me back to your time in the Big Ten. I mean, and and just. Around Jim Delaney, I mean, and it's not fair to, to Kevin Warren to have to follow a guy like Delaney with, I mean, we're talking 30 years of excellence in what he built the league up. The league was always great, but he made it even a higher standard with, with TV and, and you know acquisitions. But, you know, how would Jim Delaney go about this, knowing Commissioner Delaney like you, maybe you do or, or at least working with him?
4: Well, there wouldn't be any. There wouldn't be any question about where he stood on everything. Um, you know, I mean, Delaney Jim Delaney ran that thing, uh, like him or not. You know, and I think most of the Big Ten people respected him because he was very powerful nationally, and I think the other conferences didn't like him because he peddled too much influence. <laughs> and um, but I do know that. Whatever Jim decided to do, there wouldn't be any question. And, you know, we're not going back. But Jim was an intense competitor too, and he understood playing and winning, and he understood, you know, the uh, the value of the great athlete in that conference. And so that that you always felt like maybe he had been a coach at some point in time, or maybe he had wanted a coach, and so he you always felt like. He's a guy that could move right into your coaching staff or into your room, and mm-hmm. and you'd be comfortable with him. So um, I don't know enough about Kevin Warren to be able to to give him the, that same sort of compliment. If you would consider that a compliment, I'd consider it a compliment that I gave to Jim. So I, I don't know, but that's the way Delaney would handle it.
2: Was he? Um, was he? Uh, is it fair to say tolerated? Or, man, he's making money for the conference by by some of the presidents. It sounds to me like he was pro-athletics, ver- and he was very cognizant of academics because he was a scholar himself.
4: Yeah, and, and he was. But he was a scholar, but he was also a basketball player in North Carolina. Yeah. So, I mean, there was, there was always a feeling that basketball got little special treatment, but that, you know, <laughs> I don't think that was really true, but, you know, When he had a few minutes to talk about stuff, that's what you said. But um, no, he was an intense competitor. He understood, you know, when we fell behind in the Big Ten Conference. I mean, we had we had meetings with him about stuff and about you know competition and about getting you know taking the Big Ten to another level, a better level than it was at at the time. So he was always on that bandwagon. You know, Jim was an intense competitor.
2: Gary Barnett's with us, Hail Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, any games you got circled this weekend you excited for? I mean, you've got Duke, uh, Notre Dame, you got Georgia Tech, Florida State, Clemson and Wake, uh, of course Carolina and Syracuse. I know Big 12 gets rolling as well, and their slate is not as uh, attractive. Oh, last thought, no. too, forgive me. Uh, when it comes to the Pac-12, are you encouraged by – uh, what uh, the Pac-12 commissioner has said about the ability to have testing, rapid testing on all the campuses here by the end of the month?
0: Yeah,
4: I mean, I am. I, th- I think that's encouraging. But uh, I and, and they've tried to say that that's the reason that they haven't, that they're not playing. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know about that, Chris. I <laughs> I don't think that's going to give them a chance to play. I mean, I think basketball's got a chance to play a lot sooner now than than football does in the Pac-12, and and I think the Pac-12 has just sort of written it off. I don't think they see any way of hope. They're just hoping that they can maybe start practicing earlier than um, than what they're saying initially. So, and and the, and that will help. You know, the testing, mm-hmm. the rapid testing will help like that, but. Um, you know, I'm just. I watched some games last week, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm going to watch. I don't know if I can. I'm trying to get the Miami game tonight.
2: Yeah, because they they've got uh,
4: uh, Alabama, Birmingham. Yeah, yeah, UAB, yeah. and so um, I'm, I'm trying. to I like to see uh, De'Eric King and see how he handles uh, uh, Miami. And you know, Miami has picked up some really good players in the offseason, season, so it's been like a like a free agency for them. So uh, I'm sort of interested to see that but uh, I think Saturday just when there's one game after the other that's sort of what's really fun for me.
2: It is good. Last thought on 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 let's talk about Miami for a second the U. They've they've had quarterbacks but it's been a while since they've had like that difference maker quarterback. Right. Why why do you think that is? I mean why uh, of all places in the world and <laughs> all programs in the world why why has it been harder to kind of load up with a with a stud quarterback?
4: You know, I, I, I don't know whether the sort of the change in scheme has something to do with that. Yeah. I don't know. You know, when Miami had the great quarterbacks, they were all pro. Yeah. Um, and all guys that went into the pros, pro-style quarterbacks. You know, they could sit back and throw it to the great receivers, and they had just great defenses. And I don't know. I don't know whether, you know, the change of the college schemes to – uh, run around, throw it wide open—that sort of stuff has has hurt them. I don't know why it would. You know, all the players that come out of Miami, you know, are leaving and going to other great programs. So I don't know. I don't have a good explanation for that other than they just had a tremendous turnover in coaching staffs. That's for, fair. For a long, you know, I mean, they've they've been as bad as Colorado. Yeah.
2: Coach, you have a good weekend. Enjoy some football. You stay warm, and we'll talk again. Thanks so much. All right,
4: Chris, you bet. Talk to you later.
2: Thank you. There he is, Coach Gary Barnett.
4: The
1: Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz.
3: Y'all do not even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark
2: Cranach
0: has come for someone to put his foot down.
2: And that foot is me. Our two weekend edition, it's Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal. Thanks to Gary Barnett last hour for spending some time with us, The Rewind. We welcome in managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Brandon L. Vogel. And his book with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. Get that today. Vogues, you get uh, some Power 5, V Power 5 today. Full slate of college football. It's also a chance to pitch to the uh, the conference presidents and chancellors again for members of the Big Ten Medical Committee. If If you were going to be able to do this in person, masked up, of course, what barbecue slash tailgate dish would you bring as a welcoming gift to this committee?
0: <laughs> um, probably well, let's see the committee's fourteen people and have got some extra people in the room spend your twenty uh, you could probably you could probably go with a brisket at that you have okay. you have a, a little bit left over, but yeah, that might that might be where I go. I mean, yeah, you know, we've talked about this previously, kind of. Beef, uh, beef ribs are are the ultimate for for me, but yes. uh, that, that, that's 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 a lot of weight to uh, trek up to to Chicago. Um, so yeah, we'll go we'll go with the brisket.
2: So the the argument being, uh, listen, myocarditis won't kill you, but we eat too many beef ribs, we might hurt hurt <laughs> one another. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like, look at this, puke. did you guys enjoy that food? That wasn't good for your heart either.
2: Um, <laughs> That's where I'm going. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah.
2: <clears throat> I don't uh, know Brandon. that well. Brandon Vogel is with us. <laughs> we, we, we did a wrong turn there, Krenak. <laughs> I personal. love it, though.
1: <laughs> Brandon Vogel is with us on, on Hale Varsity Radio. Boy, a uh, pretty eventful Friday. Huh? or was it even maybe started Thursday night, but th- things switched. Brandon, did it feel coordinated to you where you had some of the more prominent uh, members of the Big Ten all the way up, f- all the way from Ted Carter as the University of Nebraska president down to you know uh, James Franklin, Ryan Day. Did it feel concerted to you to apply sort of maximum pressure entering this weekend to get this thing back up and running?
0: I think there's been a, an effort, certainly, to, to exert some pressure. Um, it might be just knowing that they were going to revisit things over the weekend. I, I'm still kind of all over the place on what a r- return to play might look like. October still feels like a, a real long shot to me, but even exerting that pressure to say, like, hey, we're here, we're ready. I mean, even Nebraska's kind of announcement, well, it wasn't even an official announcement, that they are ready to go with, with rapid testing. Like that's, that's good, but it, it doesn't do you any good if the rest of the teams you ha- you have to play are, aren't up and running. So, I mean, even something like that is to say like, Hey, see, here's another box. We checked, we're ready to go. Um, so, so what are you going to do? And I mean, you know, we, we talked previously, you know, weeks ago about how oh, it kind of looks like Ohio state and Nebraska are, are aligned in this. And, you know, with their historical standing in the sport, carry a lot of weight. Um, now it feels like they're coordinated. I mean, you have the Ohio Attorney General come out and say, "Hey, there's some legal paths forward here for us if we choose to do that." You know, it's it's a little Bob bossy of like, you know, be a shame, be a shame if we had to to go to court over something like this. And, and then Nebraska's Attorney General comes out and offers yet another legal avenue. So, yeah, it does seem like those that want to play are are pushing the buttons they have available
2: to them. Brandon Vogel's with us. And what do you think of the timing of Ohio State, Penn State, Franklin Day? Was this timed out perfectly, or should they have piped up sooner?
0: Um, I mean, I, th- I think it's a little bit of it is due to well, what, what both of them were talking about to a degree is just kind of the lack of information from the league at this point. So it was tough to know, like, okay, so they make the decision, and that felt final until you saw how much backlash it received. I mean, you, you know people are going to be disappointed about no football, but as these other leagues forged ahead, it just kind of kept shoveling coal into that particular Big Ten furnace for – well, hey, isn't it maybe we should think about this again and, and all of that? Um, so, I mean, I think it is timing-wise, sure, they could have come out earlier, but I think they're kind of trying to build a case right now for what, whatever um, meetings are happening this weekend. Who knows if there's going to be a vote, um, If there's gonna be, what they're even voting on. But it, it does seem like uh, the coaches and athletic directors at least Kind of realize, hey, if we're going to play it all this fall, like it's it's go time, and I think that's why we've seen it ramp up.
1: Now, Brandon Vogel is with us on Hail Varsity Radio. So, b- by law, nonprofits have to have bylaws, and they need to stick to them. Those are that's like a specific legal document that they have to follow legally. Otherwise, they open themselves up to a lawsuit. Is it your understanding? Because I just haven't. Actually, physically read it yet. Is it your understanding that a vote by the Council of Presidents and Chancellors is specifically written in the bylaws? Like they have to do that. Is that your understanding?
0: It, it is. Um, so I saw an older version of the bylaws. I can't remember uh, where it was. I think Indiana had it on their website somewhere. Um, someone had tweeted it out. I mean, this was almost a month ago now. Um, and you know, so so we know, like it's just accepted as fact that you need sixty percent of of that board on board to to kind of go forward with any college decision. So, I mean, that right there indicates to me that yes, a vote is is necessary, um, whether it's an official. 11, 11 years, 3 nays, or a more informal process. I mean, I guess it has to be somewhere official to even be able to officially get to 60%. So, yeah, I would assume that that is, in fact, a part of their bylaws.
1: So, the, because I think when that first came out, when it was like, hey, they violated, violated their own bylaws, it almost came across as just like one of those you know, frivolous things where it's like, okay, but whatever, you, you know, like... Yeah. But then, you, but then you have those count, the, the chancellors, a couple of them, Minnesota, Penn State, basically saying there was no vote. They don't recall the vote. It's like, well, you would be the one voting. <laughs> so, so you would know. So that this is completely valid. And the Big Ten does have to weigh that. They have to weigh that decision. Like, do you really want, Big Ten, like the full force of the Nebraska Attorney General's office – In the Ohio Attorney General's office, coming potentially all the other states. Like, do you really want that, (laughs) right? I mean, do do you think that pressure will be enough to ultimately get this thing going?
0: Um, I'm still somewhat unsure on that. I think the, I mean, it's all about pressure. I mean, look, the, the lawsuit about. You know, or the mention of a potential suit against the Big Ten for for not having its paperwork in order in the state of Nebraska, uh, nobody cared about that for a decade until there was a reason to care about it. I mean, it's about playing football, like, and that's that's the goal here. I think we're seeing that it is having some sort of impact, and if the Big Ten doesn't want it to go any further than that, I mean. It's, that's ultimately where I'm at this weekend. Like the big 10 needs to just say something like have, have a plan and, and this stuff goes away. Ohio state or the state of Ohio doesn't end up suing the big Ten for, for monetary damages. The Nebraska thing probably goes away um, because yeah. it, it will have achieved, I guess it may not even be exactly what they want, which is probably a start as soon as possible. Um, But just getting a start date in place is probably enough to make some of these legal threats go away, I would think. Um, And I think that's where we're at now. Um, It does feel, um, based on various reports and just things you hear, that something is close to happening, but it's still not clear exactly what.
1: What, Why why do you think, sir, uh, jump in here, Chris. man. Why do you think October 10th uh, or for some reason that day, that date has been out there a lot, early October of October 10th? Why, why do you think that's not in play? You mentioned earlier that you, you th- think that's a long
0: shot. Because I'll go with Bill Moose and Gary Barta over Sir Yacht. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you, 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 kind of, you, kind of, you kind of explained it. Uh, you know, it's, it's out there, but why? I mean, and, and, that, you know, and this was a week ago, but like the only information we have from actual people involved in discussions are Bill Moose saying there's nothing to it and Gary Barta saying it would take a medical miracle to play by October there's no doubt in my mind from a football perspective that the teams could be up and ready to go by then. Um, assuming they're not, you know, in a paused workouts or dealing with, with small outbreaks or any of that stuff. But, you know, and it doesn't mean that things couldn't have changed since those 80s made those statements. But like the people that are on these committees are saying October. Yeah, we're just, we're not close. Um, so I don't, you know, October tenth came out via some reporting. Uh, heard October seventeenth this week, and it all, all just seems like, yeah, that's that's kind of what everybody wants, uh, and that seems to be the momentum for it to keep being mentioned. Now, could be wrong. They, they could come out, you know, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, and say, well, surprise, we were able, you know, rapid testing changed something or whatever it was, um, changed something for us, and. It, a late October start is, is where we're going to go. I mean, I do also think that if, I mean, excuse me, Ohio state has kind of made its dissatisfaction even more plainly known over this past week. I don't know. You know, if you go October 17th, I think you could play basically an eight game schedule, have a week wiggle room and still play a big 10 championship game on the same day the SEC is scheduled to. So that at least keeps you in the playoff time, which which probably matters for Ohio State and maybe nobody else, given some of the departures at Penn State.
3: Brandon, I'm no legal expert, and I don't think you're certified by the Nebraska bar either, but you mentioned... You uh, could be.
2: (laughs) I don't know. Depending what bar we're talking about.
3: (laughs) But uh, but Brandon, you mentioned uh, a little earlier... Uh, that you, you think these lawsuits could fade away to nothing if the Big Ten does vote to play? And reading through that one from the Nebraska Attorney General, it, it just feels like that's got more more staying power. Do you think that these lawsuits fade away and people go, all right, we're playing football, so we don't care anymore?
0: Um, yeah, I think so. Um, because that's, I mean, like I said, that's the ultimate goal here, right? <laughs> We want to play football. Um, here are all the reasons. Here are some legal loopholes we have found because you're not letting us play football right now. And we're willing to exploit them. But I mean, with the Ohio, Ohio one in particular, uh, and and you are correct, I am not uh, certified by any bar uh, association in any state, nor am I a legal expert, but you just kind of think through it logically. Okay, so say Ohio State goes forward. There's no football season. We're seeking monetary damages. Well, then you get into the validity of whatever went into the Big Ten decision-making, and Big Ten will probably have to get way more depth with that than they want to or, or have been wanting to so far. But it, then it just becomes like, does it does it stand up? And with, with the Nebraska one, the, ultimately, I think they go away if football returns because you're suing your own partner. I mean, this is very lucrative for everyone involved in normal circumstances. We're not in normal circumstances. People are dissatisfied with that to, to varying degrees. So they're trying to, to change those circumstances to something that's more amenable. Um, that's why I think ultimately they go away. Not that they're not valid. Uh, I wasn't saying that. I'm just saying that at a certain point, are you really going to sue the entity that's providing you $40 million a year, um, well, almost $50 million a year, that's where it becomes pretty tough.
2: Brandon Vogel is with us, managing editor, Hale, and Magazine. I'm going to have to bring this up, and uh, I, I would love your projection. If things don't go the way Nebraska and Ohio State and Penn State and Iowa in Wisconsin, and those who want to play want, but then go the, the yeah, revisit and return to play. What happens next? Do you get beyond lawsuits? Do you get more in your face? And I don't know how much more in your face you can get, more in your face action from those who want to play. I mean, are we on civil war here?
0: Yeah, I, I, I don't think, you know, so in the days after the Big Ten's decision, we obviously had the, the quote from Kevin Warren saying, well, if Nebraska wants to play, they're not doing it as a member of the Big Ten. Right. You, you, there's still all of the grant and rights issues you'd have to get around, but if the Big Ten leadership and I mean conference-wide. I'm talking about the school presidents, the people on that board, yeah. is as divided as it seems to reportedly be. Um, you know, we we know pretty well the teams that that want to play and and how badly they want to. We still don't know where kind of the remaining eleven are at on on that spectrum. Like firmly against? Are they trending back towards the other way? Who knows? Um, and and with the threat of some of these lawsuits, like. Could you reach an agreement where the Big Ten says, "Okay, um, we're going to allow those schools that want to proceed to go ahead," but then you know it becomes a question of how many do you need to do that? Um, you had three that were that were ready to go or or willing to go in the initial vote. You might have more now, but you got to get to six. I mean, mm-hmm. is a yeah a, a five? You know, so you, then you play. Each team twice, maybe if you've got enough time. Um, is that better than a, a regular kind of a more regular eight game season starting in November? Who knows? But I think we kind of gotten to a point where I personally, at least, am not ready to rule out that some of these schools, if the Big Ten is willing to, to relax their kind of standard rules. Uh, might look at saying, well, we're, we're going. Um, and I mean, you can't jump to another conference. You can't go be an independent. I don't think, because who are you going to play? Mm-hmm. You need a group of guys to go with you. And, and it it's still, that's an extreme long shot in my mind, but just as things have escalated this week, I have started to think about it.
1: Brandon Vogel is with us on, on Hale Varsity Radio. Kevin Warren, the commissioner, the new commissioner has obviously taken a lot of heat Um, But he's ultimately the messenger rather than the decision maker. That said, uh, could you see him being made some sort of fall guy (laughs) by the COPC just because of sort of the lack of respect he has earned throughout this whole ordeal? Can you see them potentially making a scapegoat out of him?
0: man that would be that would be that would be pretty harsh uh and then kevin warren might have his own his own legal claims <laughs> right. to to start start investigating i mean it would be a little bit of hey thanks for taking all of these bullets for us it seems like everyone's out of bullets so you can go away now um you know man i have a hard time seeing that it's just right. it, it's tough and it, it I've tried to be very careful through all of this not to kind of assign too much credit or blame to to Kevin Warren. Like you said, he's he's leading this, and and there's something to be said for for strong leadership. I think everybody kind of agrees in principle just based on what they know about Jim Delaney that things probably would have gone differently, And, and they should. You know, Jim Delaney had a lot of experience. And Kevin Warren doesn't at this moment, not in this role. Um, so I, I think I, I just have a hard time. Like, I think everyone at some point when this was all in the past, in the rear view mirror, um, it can be like, well, that didn't go so well. What can we learn from it? Um, it wasn't all Kevin Warren's fault. Uh, there were some things we could have done better, but The Big Ten will move forward under his leadership, I think. Um, If if it doesn't, boy, things will probably even worse than uh, any of us
1: imagine. But it's it's, to quote 311, it's a little bit of misdirected hostility towards
2: (laughs) Kevin Warren, isn't it? (laughs) Well, take a drink if you have the Mark Cranach 311 reference on a Saturday morning. (laughs)
0: You know it it absolutely is misdirected and, and again, you know, I'm not saying he's he's faultless or blameless. I'm just saying I don't know. All I know is that, hey, it's his job to stand up there and be the face of this and uh, with the way things have gone it's it's not a good gig at the moment, even though it is the vast majority of the time.
2: Last thought here Vogues with with Warren, do you think he was just trying to? mark his territory by by being so <laughs> soon and, and come in hot? Because look who you're replacing. I mean, did, did part of that factor into this, let's jump the gun on everything and not communicate with the other Power Five? Because, I mean, the Big Ten's the one who kind of went rogue first on this without really any consultation among the other Power Five. And at the time, we're like, well okay, sure, you know, 10-game conference schedule, everybody followed suit, but then it was like, okay, we're going to be out in front here, and everyone else is going to follow us. If we postpone, then, you know, the Pac-12 is going to do it, and everyone else will will follow suit. Now they've been hanging on, and I don't want to say hoping, but, you know, hoping they're right, I guess, is the best way to put it, rather than hoping that football's canceled. I mean, did he get some horrible advice or is he just, is this just his personality? We, we don't know. And I don't know that, you know, but I'm just kind of talking out loud yeah. that man, it's been just a lot of fumbles here.
0: <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I do know that the big 10 loves the punt. I mean, you know, so <laughs> and maybe it was just that, um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think more than, huh. more than, more than ego. Um, or whatever, we'd want to assign that to you. It might have been, I guess, a more likely explanation in my mind is just kind of this this idea of Big Ten exceptionalism that that's existed for a long time. And if you're a new commissioner, you might feel the need to... To live up to that a little bit, or you just might feel it from the university presidents and chancellors, the people that that were making uh, the the vote on this. You know, for a long time the Big Ten had a no repeat rule for the Rose Bowl. Meaning, you know, Ohio State could have won the league six years in a row, but only gone to every other Rose Bowl. You know, we saw it with the BCS with the way the, the Big Ten in the back well then Pac Ten held out and said, nope, we care more about the Rose Bowl than letting Michigan, for example, play for a national title. I I know they got a share of it, but the Michigan-Nebraska game we all wanted in 1997. That couldn't happen because the Big Ten was just, you know, it's always kind of viewed itself as a little bit separate um, or some might say a little bit above the the rest of the sport. And that's, that's been around for a long, long time. So when you take over as Big Ten commissioner, I think whether you want it to continue being that way, whether you don't, um, you probably certainly, you know, almost certainly feel that pressure no matter what.
2: Well, we got a new T-shirt for when uh, we kick off October 17th, and uh, we got to get the old Hale Varsity printing press going with the uh, the T-shirts, and it's got to be Big Ten exceptionalism, but have that block in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> everywhere that uh, it's uh, warranted on the front of the t-shirt. I love that. Big Ten exceptionalism.
0: there were various times over the past decade when I thought that was was almost dead. But again, you had, While the biggest decision that's that's really probably one of the biggest decisions has faced the sport as a whole. And uh, it it certainly seems like it came back.
2: Sweet. 11 Dean warmers. Great. Um, Vogues, have a great weekend. Fire up those beef ribs, all right?
0: Well do. Take Thank you, everybody. Guys.
2: Thank you. Big Ten exceptionalism, Kranak. How, how about the Big Ten loves to punt? <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. You know, we should that. be, we, you know, Saturday mornings we do this and then we'd flip on ABC or ESPN and it's the 11 o'clock Big Ten game and it would end up 13 to 10 and, you know, lot of tough linebacker play some some really rugged uh goal line runs and it was kind of up our alley except that we just thought it was boring yeah and and now we've been in it 10 years and it's really really tough and it's even tougher to, to stomach this covid season are you saying the big noon saturday is boring to you that was the that was the was, big deal last ele- year. Was, no, the, no, I'm saying no. This is Big Ten football that kicked off at eleven following game day. Yeah, like last year that they they're like uh, no. Was th- it? This isn't last year. They this had a is, lot of great games this is last. Is the year. '90s, the
3: big, to- this. the big Ten's adjusting.
2: Now I'm talking <laughs> when Cranack and I were growing up. It was all right. Corso just put on a mascot head and let's go to Beth Moans. Let's <laughs> pour a I mean.
1: Yeah, and not only was it three yards in a cloud of dust, it was with the exception of Ohio State. They always had some fleet receivers so in Michigan. Yeah. But everybody else, I mean, it, look, it's one thing to run the ball, but run the ball with no variety, right? Like it was just, <laughs> I mean, at least when Nebraska ran the ball, it was out of multiple formations. You had option, you had elite skill athlete. It was different than just. Under center, it was it was what
2: game manager not named Drew Brees do we get under center today at eleven? I know, <laughs> brutal.
1: It was not good. <laughs> Whereas Let's... Nebraska had dynamic, a dynamic
2: running game. That's the difference. Nebraska had eleven guys on offense, is what you're saying, basically. Yeah. All right. Ger- Gary Sharp's coming up. The Iron Horse will join us. Hale Varsity rolls forward, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. <laughs> Here are the guys, Schmidt and Kranak. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and
5: one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. And then two more after that, every
2: five minutes until one of us passes out. Oh, excellent strategy, sir. Weekend edition rolls forward to tail varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Kradek. Elijah durable producing. We say hi to the Iron Horse. It is Gary Sharp. Sharpie, how's your week?
0: Uh, you know, not bad. I mean, we
5: all we all play the uh, soap, op- soap opera as the Big Ten turns. But <laughs> other than that, doing well. Thanks for asking,
2: man. What do you what do you feeling today here? A a monster. I feel we need Don Draper in, in on the Zoom call today for a pitch.
5: Well, I think it's going to be interesting uh, with presidents that either they don't like the pushback, so they've dug in their heels, or they look at their situation and they're realistic that considering what they have in place, they can't play football, or they maybe listen to someone who knows an expert like the president of Michigan, who is an epidemiologist, and they didn't know much about what was going on. Four four weeks ago, I beg your pardon, they made a decision that, that maybe was a little hasty. And people are rethinking, but you know, something has to happen because this has been another bad look for the Big Ten this week. There's people undermining the conference. You know, the conference is right now, I think, at a, at, a, at a tipping point of either really coming apart or trying to find a way to take a little baby step forward while you're still arguing. I, I hope something's going to happen. I don't know. It's, it's hour by hour, guys, on if I'm optimistic or not. But I think there's a discussion going on, and hopefully we can move forward to some type of resolution. Whether it's all 14 or 8 to 10 schools play football, I think something has to happen this week or you're going to see departures, you're going to see coaches more angry, you're going to see a really, really big problem that will not be fixed overnight in the Big Ten.
1: What do you think happens? October kickoff, November kickoff, or stick with this whole, yeah, we'll come back in January thing? I think November. I think when they push and shove
5: on a Zoom call, I think it's all for one, uh, one for all. And they will look and say, okay, we've had developments and things that were our concerns back in August, like rapid testing, uh, contract tracing, what is myocarditis, how does it affect our student-athletes, do we have enough PPE equipment, so on and so forth. I think that there's still going to be some schools that say, well, yeah, if we start around Thanksgiving, we would have that stuff in place. So I would feel better going that route. I also think, I just, I just believe that it's going to be all 14 have to go. Uh, I think the way they're going to look at it is they're going to push for 14 have to play on time. Even though, you know, you think about it, if, if you don't want to play, don't play. But again, if you're Michigan, get, think about this, guys. Michigan is playing football. If Ohio State is playing football and Michigan is not, um, there will be a mutiny Ann Arbor they won't let that happen but I I think it's more towards Thanksgiving and I don't know if that appeases everyone or not but at least it's something I I of course want football sooner than later maybe around Halloween I just looking at the president's I, I think we're looking at Thanksgiving but at least we would have something
2: is that good enough for Ohio State and they've been a, a louder voice this week Ryan Day on Twitter James Franklin if if Ohio State gets shut down on their chance to play for a championship and their medical experts have deemed it okay to go forward does Ohio State rock the boat even further do they do they threaten not just lawsuits but do they make a case to to go rogue that Nebraska had First stepped out and say, "Listen, we're not we're not trying to divorce you, conference, Big Ten, but let us let us go explore options. If Ohio State gets shut down, what's their recourse? What do you think they do?"
5: Well, first, uh, thank you to the four amigos of this conference: Scott Frost, Friday, yeah. Jim Harbaugh, James Franklin, for speaking out. I would like to see more coaches come out and speak. Uh, I would like to see the PJ Flex of the world come out and speak. Kirk Ferentz's. Other coaches come out in support because that's their job. Is They want to play. They want to support their kids. They want answers. I think with Ohio State, I think if I'm – you know, there's a lot of stuff that's being hurled at the Big Ten, especially for Nebraska when it comes to courtrooms. <laughs> but Ohio State threw the biggest dagger. You know, Nebraska's like the rookie in the room where they can say stuff. They get, a, they get a platform to say stuff, but people go, be quiet. You're just a rookie. Ohio State is the 17-year veteran that when they speak up, you go, uh-oh, And they spoke up. But here's put the timeline together, guys, and all this confusion is that statement that was released by Ryan Day. And, you know, we all know why they want to play. They feel like they have the best roster that they've had in a long time in Columbus. They want to play football. Plus, he doesn't want to lose his entire roster. He makes the statement on Thursday, apparently after they had been on a conference call with the commissioner, which is frightening. If James Franklin goes on national radio and Ryan Day releases that after you had a conversation with the commissioner, oh, you're done, you're done, I, I don't know how you move forward, that you would ask those questions on a conference call and then release that statement. We don't know if that's true, but you know people are, 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 are reporting that. So you make that statement that you want to play because you knew that you were losing a strong offensive lineman the next morning like Wyatt Davis did yesterday. Um, I think Ohio State has probably beat their chest. I think they've made a lot of noise. I just don't know the Nebraska and Ohio State together behind the scenes can turn enough schools that they're going ahead and they're going to play in mid-October. If they do, it's an amazing story, and I want the rights to the 30 for 30. Mm -hmm. But Ohio State rising up and staying as strong as a statement, because Ryan Day basically threw a haymaker at the Big Ten. Um, It may may force a vote sooner than later, but I don't know what it changes.
1: God, it's exhausting, too, isn't it, Gary? Oh, you know (laughs) what? You know, it's just just absolutely... well, yeah, Mark, but for everybody,
5: it, Mark and look at it this way: You're Scott Frost at Nebraska. You're still going through practice, but it looks like the same practice that you've been going through for essentially eight months now. And every day, you've got questions from your players about, Coach, when are we going to play? They want a date. They want an end goal. They want something they can build towards. That's what you do with eighteen and twenty-two year old student athletes. You're on a schedule. That's kind of how you're built. And there's all this anxiety and the mental health part. We've got a lot on our plates right now. But if you're an 18- to 22-year-old football player and every day you ask your coach, hey, when are we going to play? What's going on? Is this rumor true? And the coach can say, I don't know. We've got to stay the course. I don't know. Then there's the other element, guys. I really believe if Big Ten, by this time next week, does not have a plan to return to play, whether it's in October, November, December, or January, you are going to see Big Ten free agency in the portal and it will and you will lose some guys that you never expected you would lose and you're like, Thank you, Big Ten. And so then you say, Well, those we should sue the Big Ten. I it's just this a plan would at least get you going somewhere. They've got to have a plan before the next week is over, or the Big Ten guys might be over as we know it.
2: I think it's 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 heading that way. And if Gary, if 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 the Big Ten does not allow folks to play that that can get clearance, and I'm talking Ohio State, all right, the biggest voice in the room, um you're you're gonna see Armageddon with this league, and you're also gonna see like you were talking about the departures and the transfers and you could you could turn and and tear down a program so quickly how long does it take to build Rome how long does it take for Rome to burn I mean you could see a program decimated and I really think we are we are heading towards I mean we're already like taking shots and there's no unity within the, the the conference of unity but if push comes to shove if you don't have Even if you don't get that October date, I think you're going to see folks jump and ship, man. November means nothing. I mean, I want the kids to play and I want them to be healthy. But I think also you need to compete for something besides the second-place ribbon. And if you go in November, there's a small, small window to even be considered. It's not that the college football playoff committee couldn't consider Ohio State with just – a handful of games versus a full season, but it'd be extremely tough. I think that's where I'm at. I think you've got to get this thing going in October and let those that can play play and give Ohio State a shot to go win a title.
5: Well, I think there's a couple of developments that work in the way of having some football in the Big Ten sooner than later. Of course, the rapid testing. Mm-hmm. You know, Nebraska partnering with UNMC. Uh, we've seen the Big 12, the Pac-12. Uh, can you have tests available to you in hand by the time you start in October. I also think keep an eye on Georgia State freshman quarterback who was ruled out after he had come down with COVID-19 during the summer, and they did an uh, EKG on him, and they found that they could have myocarditis. It was kind of lost yesterday, but he has been reinstated. They have continued to monitor him, and the doctors and multiple doctors in Atlanta have cleared him that the inflammation of his heart is not directed towards COVID-19. So you know, is that kind of information going to be available to presidents and chancellors when they vote? I think the medical science and the, and the developments are different in four weeks. I mean, heck, it changes day by day. It just goes back to why four weeks ago... Did you put yourself in this position instead of just voting for a delay? And I'm going to turn this back to Kevin Warren. Mm -hmm. Guys, I think his lack of collegiate experience, his lack of how to deal with 14 different entities and what college athletics is, is really hurting him here. He also has a very poor communication team that has not helped him out through all of this. And I think that has really hurt him in not reading the room correctly And maybe as a new commissioner, realizing i got some big shoes to fill and I want to be Jim Delaney right away, he came out and said I'm going to be a leader on this instead of a follower because, as we know now, he tried to be a leader. Only one other conference followed. The others are moving ahead. And you had a couple of days ago Bob Bolts be taking a crack at the Big Ten when he says our job is to serve our members, and that's why we have waited this long to make a decision on if we're playing or not. We're talking about the Big Ten guys. I mean, but the Big Ten also who is being sued by players. Being, being, uh, their nonprofit status is being brought up by the Attorney General of Nebraska, which is crazy. They've taken their bylaws off their website. They've taken off all the email addresses. It's a bad, bad situation right now. And I don't know who bails this conference out, but they need to do something in the next week or this conference will hit – they're at a tipping point. You could have a mutiny as well.
1: The, the bylaws thing is important too yeah, because we, we were looking into that earlier today it's that's you know it, those aren't just internal governing rules they are they are those but they are also legally binding documents that open you up to a lawsuit if you don't follow them if you're a nonprofit you have to have bylaws you can be held legally liable for following those bylaws and that's what Ohio and Nebraska state uh, attorney generals and the and the the players and all that. I mean, that that shows that you have something to hide, and I think they have been released before, and you have seen that. Hey, it requires a vote. You need a sixty percent vote, right? You like you need to have. So you need to follow those bylaws. But then you have people who would be voting, saying there was no vote, yeah. which renders <laughs> this decision completely illegal. And invalid. <laughs> I mean, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And then to follow up, Gary, like, the, look, you know, you're you're not pulling those things down off of your website if you're not in a panic, mm-hmm. right? And and isn't and maybe that's the best way to put. It. Doesn't it seem like Kevin Warren has not been clear on what is the will of the Big Ten Council of Presidents and Chancellors? I don't think it's very clear to him. Like, what, what is the joint decision here? But felt like he had to announce something. It just feels like a guy that is panicked. And I think a collection of, counsel, of chancellors and presidents that are, also don't want to assume the responsibility. And so yep. you're kind of left with nobody making the decision and Kevin Warren just trying to figure it out.
5: And you know what? And that's a fantastic point, Mark. And we may find when we get through all of this, but that that's exactly what Kevin Warren was put in, and that's maybe can explain why he stuttered and stammered through an interview on his own network, which I think has really scared him from making any other appearances, that he couldn't give you direct answers, and he's not a guy that lies, and all of a sudden he, had, he has to lie, or at least, you know, painted in a different picture. That may be the case, um, and that, there's time for us to find that out. But they missed on the boat for transparency where you build trust with your constituents. And I think, most importantly, there are 14 constituents. There's 11 that think Kevin Warren made the right decision or Kevin Warren led them to the right decision or Kevin Warren delivered publicly the right decision. There's three that disagreed with it. But you should not have, almost five weeks later, this much confusion on what went on. In a pandemic, if you laid it out and said, hey, this is why we're not playing for X, Y, and Z, I want you to understand, this is the decision we've made. There's a lot of people who'd still be upset. But we wouldn't be five weeks later where you're getting sued or people are speaking out of turn. Either your coaches, your athletic directors, or now, guys, your own staff. Teddy Greenstein this week had a story, and he quoted a couple of insiders in a Big Ten office that were saying it's a circus, it's divided. Uh, What are we doing here? And with all this said, You've got 14 football programs that are sitting in turmoil, not knowing where they're going, when they're playing, and you've got kids like Keyshawn Green that are transferring, maybe not fully because of COVID-19 and the uncertainty, but they're transferring to programs that are currently playing when there's no reason that a Keyshawn Green, who would have played this year at Nebraska, should be playing football at FAU. He's too good of a player, but those are the cases, and I think if you get another week, like I said earlier, you'll have a lot more of those guys that are jumping into the portal, and that is a shame because there's nothing – coaches are control freaks, and they can't control this right now, and it's very unsettling.
3: Gary, the Big Ten preaches unity, but at the same time, right now we got a, a vocal minority in Nebraska and Ohio State uh, going up against a seemingly silent minor or majority. Um, so could you see a situation where that vocal minority, which can play in October, is allowed to play, and then the rest of the schools, which aren't ready right now, can pick up the season in, in November? Are, are you... Thinking that the Big Ten could split up for appeasement, or do you think they're going to continue to stay together and make sure everyone starts up at the same time?
5: Well, uh, my personal opinion is reading the tea leaves, Elijah. I think they go all for one, one for all. But there probably could be a point where, hey, okay, only 10 schools could play. We'll find a way with TV revenue and everything else, and we'll just go ahead and play. That could be a possibility. But I don't know if that'll be a part of the vote. That's another thing, um, Mark, Darshan, and Elijah. Is we don't even know what they're voting on, right? We don't we don't know what's in front of them to vote on. We don't even know what they voted on last August, this past August to postpone the season. I mean, that's a, that's a crucial question: is exactly what's in front of them, what's the language on what they're voting for, and is there options or is it just this is the this is the vote and it's either yay or nay?
2: Is it uh, is it medical benchmarks? Is it return to play? Is it start date? I mean, there's, there's a lot of things floating
5: well, with you, what you got, today you, is. Well, here's, here's the thing that we have not mentioned that we continue to mention every week. Mark and I talked about this last week. There's, and and, I, and I, I still feel pretty, pretty sure this had a lot to do with some decision-making, is the liability. Mm. is The liability was a big factor back in August. Has the liability left five weeks later? The medical side, I think, has gotten better because – even though you know it's going to be choppy, you can do it, but is a liability change? If that's not changed, then there's going to be some of those votes that I don't think change. Mm-hmm.
2: Sharpie, have a good weekend. Uh, bless you, brother. Thanks for jumping on today, and we'll, uh, we'll do it again next Saturday. Thanks for, for spending some time with us.
5: As always, guys. I appreciate it.
2: Take care. There he is. It's Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse. Cranach, we are out of time, brother. Already. How about already, that? already, already.
1: Maybe next time this week we are talking about Nebraska's new schedule.
2: That would be wonderful. Maybe that'd be great. It would be great. Enjoy some college football today. And no, uh, I can't. But okay. What? Why? You get, you it's got, just, I can't. Because Nebraska. It's coming. Come on. We'll get Nebraska's down to the, get, not in get down it. to the cube with Hale Varsity and watch Iowa uh, twenty fourteen Nebraska Colorado ninety four gets going at five thirty. Talk to you on Monday at four. Thanks.